can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Okay. G'day, folks. Peter here. Welcome back to Mondays Down Under on Talking Pools podcast. Uh, as normal, I'm joined today by Shane from New Zealand. G'day, Shane. How are you? Hey, Peter. Pretty good. Thank you. And yourself? As always, living the dream. And today we are also joined by the lovely Andrea, all the way from sunny Florida. How are you? Woo! Hello. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, really good. 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 It's about 7 p.m. there on a Saturday night, I believe. That's correct. So I know usually when I wake up for work, Peter, you're active, but it's usually about like the end of your day or even kind of late for you sometimes. So this is a Mm. little different. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, 7 a.m. here on Sunday and Shane, uh, 11-ish in the morning, isn't it? 11 a.m. Yep. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. So nice. you got to sleep in. Andrew got an nap, and I was up at five thirty to be here. Doesn't seem fair to me. <laughs> well, I <laughs> can't believe you're working on a Sunday. That's a, is that like normal for you, or these you days a special it is. job? You said, yeah. Yeah, I've got a nightmare job. It's replacing a couple of pull lights, which no big deal normally, but it's in a tiled pool where the tiles are all uneven, misshapen, very heavily textured. Uh, It looks like it was installed by a five-year-old, to be honest. And Mm -hmm. the old lights were screwed in with normal steel screws, so they've completely rusted out. Uh, Couldn't even get a screwdriver into them. So I'm going to have to be creative getting these ones out and putting new holes through the tiles without damaging them. Mm. So uh, pool was drained yesterday, stuck the submersible pump in. And, (laughs) um, yeah, let's hope it goes well. Very pushy customer as well. well, It's on the phone every... Uh, he's on the phone every five minutes wanting an update. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, it's the same as it was five minutes ago. The pool is draining. <laughs> well, at least he's only texting you and, like, not standing there behind you. You know, that's get aggravating. <laughs> oh, and phone calling yeah. on the phone. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it still is aggravating, but at least he's not right there in your face. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. yeah, normally. All righty. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no We'd problem. love so glad to have you along because Shane and I have often uh, chatted, we've alluded to it on some episodes and we've chatted behind the scenes about it. Some of the words that I hear from the American episodes <laughs> or on internet forums, I hear these words being used and I think that makes no sense at all. <laughs> so what got me thinking about this is Kelly wants Well, it's mutual sometimes. <laughs> probably is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kelly once mentioned, uh, asked me a question about conditioner. Mm. Now, conditioner for me is what my wife uses in her hair, what I have been known (laughs) to use on my beard, but that is not something we add to pools. And I later found out that that's cyanurates, so what we call stabilizer. Mm -hmm. So there are a few things like that. And if either of you have got words 
any of us have used that have caused confusion, jump in by all means. Uh, but Andrea, another question is, what do you mean when you say shock a pool? All right. Well, so shock over here, it's like, for me anyway, it makes me just heated. It makes me cringe when people use the term because a lot of people use it incorrectly, but also like it's meant to be. So when in the in all the classes that you take, if you read the manual that comes with the Taylor test kit, shock is meant to be something that you do to the pool to remove it of contaminants. So like if you have a high chlorine, um, excuse me, a high combined chlorine level, if you have algae, things like that, you would shock the pool. Somewhere along the lines, that became a marketing term. So now when you go into a store, anything that's chlorine is labeled as shock. And I do mean anything because people have now been blowing themselves up by accident because they go and buy shock excuse me, that happens to be, so they buy Calhypo and then they'll buy the, the Dichlor is also labeled shock. So you obviously, you can't mix these things. And, you know, Joe homeowner is uh, going to Leslie's and thinking he's going to save himself money by doing the pool himself. Oh, look, this is shock and this is shock and they mix them and boom. So mm. that is what a lot of people mean when they say shock the pool. It means just, you know, you're, you're trying to oxidize the contaminants. A lot of people will be like, oh, add shock to the pool, which in that case, they mean add some type of chlorine. So, and to get back to the stabilizer thing real quick. So that is kind of like a regional thing. So some areas won't call it conditioner at all. Some places like where I'm in, um, in South Florida, it will be either one. Some people will say conditioner, some people will say stabilizer. But I think for ease on the internet, most people just say CYA and then, but that's yep. kind of, that's kind of silly to say. So, but yeah, a lot of, uh, it, it's different to, depending on where you are in the U.S., whether or not it's stabilizer or conditioner. Gotta love regional differences. Yeah. Gotta love it. <laughs> Fortunately, Australia, although we're a big country, there's not a lot of difference in the way terms are used across the country. So that, that does make it a bit easier. Yeah. And um, I noticed too, just from listening to some of you talk and just now I have, I use TikTok. So I have a lot of different people that come across my TikTok and I can't, like I, I gotten better at it. Some, you know, depending on the region, your accents all sound pretty much the same. There's like subtle differences. Mm. But if you think about the US, like from like, say a Midwestern accent to like a Southern accent, it could be like wildly different. So it's very interesting. I've always been interested in that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, one of my best friends is uh, a woman from Tennessee. And mm. I've known her for, she's been here for about 18 years. And the funny thing I've noticed is I'm used to hearing her voice and think nothing of it, uh, yeah. of her accent. Her mother came over to visit a couple of weeks ago and been living with her. And she's gone into this really strong Tennessee accent. Oh, that's and, so funny. Uh, we all, it's hilarious. Uh, a common thing as well is when Australians go to New, uh, to um, not New Zealand. There we say fush. Um, when Australians go to the USA, we'll often actually pick up the American accent depending where we are. Oh, really? That's funny. Uh, very okay. quickly, I've had friends go over for a month, come back, and they've got an American accent. It's it's truly bizarre. Oh, wow. That's funny how that works. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I, sometimes if I'm like really immersed into something like um, I think I was telling you about this, Peter, a little while ago, I watched the show Glitch. And I can't remember exactly where that was um, based out of, but I like watched the whole show. And so like kind of in my head, I was like sort of like kind of thinking with the accent or at least like thinking that maybe I sounded that way. But I'll probably just sound like an idiot. But anyway, like that happens in my brain, too. So I can just imagine how it must work for people <laughs> like that spend a lot of time in one area and then move somewhere else. It's got to be crazy. I could never imagine you sounding like an idiot, Andrea. Never. <laughs> well, I guess well, we're she about to find out. doesn't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> but uh, with the shock term, yeah, that's how I was always taught and how it's traditionally been used here. Shock being using the oxidizing potential of chlorine. Right. So I know Wayne has mentioned in the past a few times on his episodes on uh, Testing Thursdays that some people incorrectly name monoposulfate as non-chlorine shock. Well, that's exactly what I call it because I use it as a shock to remove right. uh, chloramines and, and other impurities. When you buy a container, uh, you know, a retail compa- container, it's not the same when you buy a one-tonne uh, IBC of it. There you'll often see printed on there the recommended dosage for chlorine and they've got regular chlorination or residual or whatever it may be, whatever dose they recommend. Then they'll have shock, which is depending on the brand, four times as much, seven times as much. And then they'll have superchlorinate. And superchlorinate is dealing with the biology in the water. So if you need to deal with algae, if you need to deal with bacteria, things like that. It drives me up the wall though, because customers say, oh, the the chlorine container said I needed to add this much liquid chlorine. I didn't. It hasn't fixed the problem. But there's no formula for working out the exact chlorine dose required. It varies with pH, varies with the cyanurate level, the conditioner, if you like. Right. can't believe I said that. Um, (laughs) It also, you know, if they've just had a party that weekend with 20 kids and three dogs swimming in the pool for 14 hours or peeing in it, the chlorine demand is going to be a hell of a lot higher. Right. So uh, it drives me up the wall when people say, how much do I need to add? Well, what does the testing tell you? Everything for me comes back to the test. Yeah, that's we try to get that across to people. I was part of a homeowner group for a while, just trying to help out and be nice. And I I had to like stop participating. But that's one of the things that would happen the most is, oh, what what do I do? I've already shocked my pool, but it's still green. And it's like, well, you know, let's just start from the beginning. You know, you have to know what you're putting into the pool. You have to know where you are before you start putting things into the pool. So I agree mm. with you. But yeah, there's also a, there's an Australian Facebook group where it's meant for pool professionals. But I'm telling you now, some of these guys haven't got the foggiest idea. Yeah, and they'll like that here. put up a picture of a pool and it might be green, it might be clear, and they'll say, what do I need to do to fix this? They never tell us the size of the pool, uh, what the current chemistry is, any of that. And what the filter's uh, like. Oh, oh, exactly. And the moderator uh, had a go at me because he said, Pete, you're contributing, but all you're ever saying is, what are the readings? Well, yeah, that's fundamental to it. And speaking of volume of pool, Andrew, you'll be very, very glad to know that we don't use the term gallonage. Oh, thank God. (laughs) We use literage. 
Leaderage. Oh no. Leaderage. <laughs> That's actually not too bad. You know, I know the joke is that Americans use anything but the metric system to measure things. So yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. just volumage. I've been saying that I it was I, I started volumage. saying it as a joke and now I keep accidentally saying it unironically. So we'll see if I get a new word started. It could be yeah, it could be a new word in the Oxford dictionary. Yeah, we could start it's the word instead of a yeah, oh, we'll they've got Webster's over. You've got <laughs> Miriam Webster's over there, don't you? Oxford's very yes. English. We've got the Macquarie. Yeah, there's a couple. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I had a uh, technician working for me for a couple of years, and when she'd talk about chemical treatment, the word she always used was chemicalize. I'm going to chemicalize the pool, and I'm thinking, don't say that in front of a customer. <laughs> That's so, funny. There's a song that um, someone came out with. I think Kelly actually spoke to the guy. It was one of the very first things that I ever heard as like a pool cleaner that I thought was great. It's called the Pool Cleaners Rap. If you go look it up on YouTube, it's hilarious. And yeah, he says, I've seen it. That's You've seen funny. it? Yeah. And he says, chemi- <laughs> part of the chorus is chemicalized. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, it's pretty funny. I'll look that one up. Pool <laughs> yeah. Cleaners Rap. That's good. Yeah. It's a good one. So what about you, Shane? What do you... Um... What have you found that you, you know, Americans or me will say that doesn't make sense? Uh, yeah, definitely the conditioner. Um, the the term sunscreen is very well known over here, but when you're trying to explain that to clients, mm-hmm. it it starts getting a little bit confusing because they're um, misinterpreting it for sunscreen that you put on your body. Lotion. Oh, okay. So it is in the lotion. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, whenever I'm speaking to clients, I do tend to use the term cyanuric acid, but, you know, that's way over their head as well. On but that, yeah, shock. So I'm just going to interrupt. Sorry about that. Oh, the sorry. Open the can. <laughs> oh, right, Andrea. Are you okay, Andrea? Excuse me. I was drinking. Z- a sip of my coffee and I like inhaled some. That's not clever. Yeah, I'm good. No, it was like I breathed in at it, it went down the wrong tube, as we say. (laughs) Yes, I'm all right. I'm good. Just saw you keeling over there, and I (laughs) we both uh, saw on the screen. We're like, What? I basically just live on the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) I just drown in coffee accidentally. So, excuse me, I'm good now. Um, yeah, on sunscreen, I take great pains to explain to people not to use the word sunscreen because when we're explaining to a customer, first of all, I don't want them to throw half a litre of you know UPF 40 <laughs> in the pool. Um, oh, my God, that, that would be That a would be bad. Yeah. Uh, but I also, when I talk, talk to people and say, look, if you want to avoid clogging up your filter, don't apply sunscreen or don't enter the pool until 15 minutes after adding sunscreen. And if we mm-hmm. then use the same term for stabilizer, then equally we don't want somebody thinking, oh, Pete said I need to rub cyanuride into my skin to stop sunburn. <laughs> yeah, that would not never be good. <laughs> underest- never underestimate the stupidity of some people. Um, That's true. Uh, I can definitely – I would not be surprised if that came about where – Turns out somebody was rubbing themselves with stabilizer. So, but to to Shane's point, I I typically tend to try to use the actual chemical name for everything, just so that because sometimes I don't know if this is the same with you guys over here, so or over there, but people 
in the pool industry specifically, well, there's different brands of thing mm. of the same chemical, right? Or there's something that's called something similar. Like for example, yellow treat is typically sodium bromide, and then yellow out is a different chemical that is a lot harder to pronounce and a lot longer. And I can't really even remember what it is, <laughs> but it's not sodium bromide. So people will be like, oh, I put yellow out. And then it's like, well, did you put yellow out or yellow treat? So that's why I try to use the exact chemical name. So I will say yeah. cyanuric acid to people, you know, just to mm. be specific, you know, so that it's not stabilized or conditioned. And to the sunscreen point, that's kind of like an analogy that we try to use to explain it to people like, oh, it's basically like a sunscreen or some people will say that's like an umbrella for the chlorine in the pool. It protects it from the sun. But just <clears throat> to where now the term shock means can mean two different things. So I just mm -hmm. try to be real specific with exact terms instead of calling it like, oh, you know, by a brand or calling it something that it's not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And for explaining what things may have gone wrong, it's handy to understand the chemical terms as well. Had a customer right. this week and her salt level was at eight, sorry, about 9,000 parts per million. The chlorinator oh, uh, wow. that they had, uh, it's designed for 4,000, approximately yes. 4,000 parts per million. Okay, this so was running on about nine. <laughs> Stabilizer, cyanuric level, that was mm -hmm. at about 200. And oh, wow. I like to keep it under 100, preferably 30 to 80. I find the, the comfort zone. Uh, the so we that, yeah. Yeah. We stuck a, a submersible pump in in the bottom step, which equated to about half the volume of the pool, half the literage of the pool uh, being uh, <laughs> taken out. Went back there the next couple of days later. She said, <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's drained and been refilled. Went out there, did a test. And there's no way in a blind fit that pool was half drained. And I said, look, you've got, when we say drain half the water, it's got to be, you've only taken about, a, you know, an eighth of the water out. Um, and she said, no, 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 we haven't, we did it right down to where you left the submersible pump. And I said, the, the chemistry doesn't lie. But with that, she said, we never add stabilizer. So I picked up her, her bucket of chlorine that she had there. And I said, you see on here, it says dichlorocyanurate. Mm. A cyanurate is... The stabilizer. So you've been adding it inadvertently. Right. Uh, and I also have to explain to a lot of customers, every type of chlorine that we use has its own type of particular side effect. So, for example, a saltwater system, that will raise pH. Right. Calhypo will raise the calcium hardness. Liquid chlorine will raise pH most of all and also add salt, raise the TDS yep. through salt. Dichlor and trichlor add the cyanurate level. So... Although people want a very short, sharp answer, this is what you want to use all the time. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. It's always rec recommended to use different kinds of chlorine just so you get that, you don't get those buildups of that side effect. So I like mm. to use trichlor and I'm in South Florida. It rains a lot here. So we have constant, you know, washout, refilling of pools, things like that. So high cyanuric acid levels are not a problem for us. I do like that you call it cyanurates instead of cyanuric acid. That's shorter and much nicer. So I might start <laughs> I might start using that. Well, 
we'll bring that over here. Fewer syllables. It's easier for an old bloke like me. Yeah. (laughs) But that's another point of why you want to know or why I try to know the chemical names just so that I'm using Calhypo. All right. Well, you know, you might have this issue because of that and so on. So I have one, my main chemical supplier. Uh, the branding on some of their products. There are two in particular that I use. One is called Crystal Clarity. One is called Crystal Express. Crystal Clarity is a cationic polymer, so we use that for to aid filtration. The Crystal Express is polymerized aluminium chloride, so it's a flocculant. You don't really want to run that through your filter. And gotcha. even the dispatch guys get it confused. Mm-hmm. And the sales manager at that place. Uh, big shout out to Eddie there. He says, I don't know why management doesn't just change the bloody name of the thing because right. everyone's getting confused by it. So and- it's also at a distribution level. And if you know, if one of us is out there and we we misread it and, okay, that's the bottle that says crystal on it and without thinking, take it, add it to the pool, it can have big consequences. If we gunk what up was- their, their cartridge. Sorry? What was the first thing? I, what was the first thing that you said? The the second one was a flock. What was the first one? A cationic polymer. So introduces positively charged ions into the water, gathers together the uh, um, impurities that we want to take out, the very fine stuff that's too fine for the filter, lets it clump up a little so the filter can catch it. Okay, so we call that more of a clarifier. A clarifier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, cool. I was almost going to be like, what? I've never heard of that. But yeah, so that's something different too. We would just say Mm. clarifier. Normally I do, but we're talking. (laughs) Trying to be specific. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Specific is terrific. Um, Oh, I like that. Clarifier is the time over here as well. Yep. Mm. Uh, and pack. Do you use the term pack for polymerized aluminium chloride? Nope. Nope. Okay. I, I've not. I've not heard that. No. Same okay. It's um, just a liquid flocculant, aluminium-based flocculant. It's in liquid form. Okay. So while I'm a big fan of alum, sometimes mm-hmm. we're not able to circulate water. For example, if the equipment's stuffed, if I get to a pool that's been neglected for a couple of years, like. I get them occasionally where they're just completely shut down and turned off for sometimes years. I don't want to be running anything through the system. So rather than using uh, alum, I'll use this liquid form. And what I do is I put it into a garden spray bottle, the same type that pest control people might use for spraying around the the house or or spraying weeds or something. Uh, And on a non-windy day, I'll try to uh, spray that as evenly as possible over the surface of the pool water and you can watch it start to coagulate in front of your eyes and, uh, and then it settles down. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I bet it's cool mm. to see. Oh, it is. It's, it almost looks – sometimes it looks almost like you've added a phosphate remover. It just clouds up that it quickly. It clouds up. <clears throat> you should do like a time-lapse video at one, mm. point, one time when you, when you get a, a chance to leave a camera there that, you know, if possible. That would be interesting. I'll, I'll add that to the list of things to do when I get time. <laughs> yeah, you it's just got to leave the camera there, you know. <laughs> do it for yeah. social media. That would be probably generate a lot. You'd be surprised. Probably would. Actually, mm. I do have something in the pipeline. Nice. Um, which is not official yet, but um, something big coming that's probably going to take a few months to uh, to get going. Oh, that's oh, mysterious. Oh, curious <laughs> look on Andrea's face. <laughs> that's mysterious. 
I'll uh, let um, you two in on it after we stop recording. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I have a question, though. I have heard you guys talk about mineral pools, but you're not talking about salt pools. It's something different, right? Yeah. Yes and no. Okay. Because we don't typically, I mean, I don't want to say that we don't have them over here and be wrong. I've, me personally, I've not heard of a mineral pool unless it's okay. something that's like real, like obscure, you know, one of those things that nobody's heard of. Yeah, they're becoming quite popular here. Uh, they have been for some years now. Uh, first of all, when we use the term chlorinator, we specifically mean a saltwater chlorinator. Okay. What you'd call a saltwater generator. When I hear people saying, you know, they've got a tablet feeder or what do you call them, an erosion feeder? Uh, they've yeah. got a tablet feeder and they call that the chlorinator. That <laughs> that jars to me. That's foreign. It's like, no, That's another no one of those on interchangeable ones. Yeah. We could do yeah. chlorinator could refer to the salt cell, the tab feeder or even the stupid floater you know the little blue one that floats <laughs> I around i never realized that actually an erosion feeder that's that's something mm. new i haven't heard of that before yeah it's just it's called that just because the tabs erode inside the feeder mm. because the water you know the water passes over them and, yeah when i was first starting out uh, and I'm going back over 25 years here. Somebody had one of those uh, little UFO floaters, you know, the mm-hmm. UFO-shaped floated tablet feeders. Yeah. And they said, oh, I've got more chlorine for it. And I just wasn't paying attention and I, I wasn't that experienced at the time. And he left a – he had a tablet in there and he topped it up with another tablet. I didn't mm-hmm. realise that the one already in there was trichlor and the one he added was calhypo. Oh, no. I have never seen a piece of plastic launch itself off the pool like that oh. before. This thing just about hit bloody orbit, I tell you. It it was spectacular to watch, but um, not recommended. Dangerous. Yeah, no. So, kitties, mm-hmm. don't mix your different types of chlorine. Yeah, that ha- that's, um, that's happened here for people. Don't. Yep. Yeah. Um, and also, <laughs> don't pour chlorine down a uh, into your skimmer. Well, oh, no. good advice not to do it any time, but especially <laughs> if you've got a salt cell or an erosion feeder, because if a high dose of chlorine that you've added goes through, hits the chlorine that's being generated or the tablet, that too can be a big reaction. Yeah. Uh, I've seen somebody blow apart a chlorinator cell housing. Again, I would never put Calhypo down a skimmer box. No. Uh, that's just asking for trouble. Yeah, just too high a dose, especially if there's something like a heater. It's going to oxidize any copper or any metals in there quite quickly. Uh, but anyway, with a mineral mineral pool, when they started becoming popular, a few brands made a big deal about saying, oh, this is a mineral chlorinator, not a salt chlorinator. And the only difference between the two is the label on the front. It's oh, exactly no. the same type of device. It's an electrolytic cell with a controller. <clears throat> What we do with mineral pools is we add, typically there's a bit less salt, sodium chloride, but mineral salts are added as well. What I normally use is just a straight out magnesium sulfate. Uh, It comes in, I buy it in a flaky, kind of flaky crystals, Uh, add that. And magnesium has a slight flocculent effect, so it helps clarify the water a little bit. People say that they feel it's softer and smoother on their skin. Well, I've never had a problem with normally balanced pool water where the hardness comes from calcium, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've heard people say that magnesium helps with muscle and joint aches and pains. Now, I know in the healthcare industry, there's a lot of magnesium products, be it 
topical sprays or ointments that are applied with that. I seriously question the... I, I wonder if that's in their mind, if it's psychosomatic, or if there is actually mm. an effect, because the topical spray is a much higher concentration than we'll get in pool water. Right. Of the magnesium. So I haven't seen any real evidence. I've seen a lot of marketing stuff, but uh, marketing information isn't always the most accurate, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> That's why uh, I have these two confusing terms over here, thanks to marketing. <laughs> Yeah. So that's basically all a mineral salt pool is. It's a salt water system, a salt water pool where you've thrown in some mineral salts, magnesium sulfates, my preferred, as I say. There are brands that inc incorporate potassium. Some of them have borates added. Um, oh, okay. So there are some proprietary blends where they don't publicize their, uh, uh, their active constituents and the ingredients of it. Biggest thing you need to consider with converting a pool from salt to mineral is watching your TDS. You do need to typically lower the salt level before adding that magnesium salt or mineral salt. And secondly, magnesium has a big effect on total hardness. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So that's, mm. that's something. Another thing I have found, if a pool has any stainless steel or chrome-plated, heaven forbid, fittings in it, like uh, safety suctions or, or RTPs, then they can discolor black when, uh, when exposed to some of these mineral salts. Okay. Mm. Oh. I mentioned a couple of terms, safety suctions and RTPs. That's when I yeah, said, I yep, smile and nod, because I'm thinking, <laughs> he does not know what I'm talking about. No, I Safety didn't know suction those. <laughs> is a round uh, suction grate fitting, typically okay. five, six inches round with slots in it. We call them a safety suction. Often, we'll have them in the pool for you know separate heater system suctions or water features, whatnot, or on the bottoms of infinity troughs. Okay. Uh, RTPs. Uh, I'll have to look up pools. a picture. <laughs> Let me do that for you while I go on here. RTPs, return to pool. They're the inlet jets. We uh -huh. just call them RTPs. Oh, we just say returns. Yeah, I don't know if... I can say returns over here as well. That's, yeah. that's a new one for me, RTPs. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'm just returns. old school. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So here's an example of... Let me just share this screen and everyone at well, home the listening. covers, can... um, we have them over here as well, Peter. Um, we just tend to call them suction covers, either like a slip fit or a threaded. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. What would you call that, Andrea? That would be, uh, we call those main drain covers. Main drain does covers, okay. On, does that right, go on? Okay, that goes yes. on the bottom, right? That's okay, yeah. Or it goes yep. on the yep. walls. Uh, we'll use them in or, spas. Or if there's a side suction. Yeah, no. That's yeah. that's that's what we call the main drain cover. So ours look a little bit different. It's pretty similar, but ours have to be, excuse me, um, VGB compliant. So there's the whole, you know, thing with Virginia Graham Baker. So there's, mm. they have to be, there's a whole code. There's a whole list of standards that these things have to meet. So that looks pretty similar to ours, how they're done. I'm aware so. of that. Um... VGB because when I did the CPO course with with Rudy, uh -huh. uh, there were pages and pages and pages mm -hmm. of 
a bloody drain cover. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's a little bit different over here. Unfortunately, here our industry is very reactive to problems. Mm-hmm. There are things that I think should be legislated here uh, before a problem actually comes to pass. Uh, and Shane, I know, is sick of hearing me say that there needs to be compulsory training and certification and so forth before you're allowed to go out and service a pool. Mm-hmm. But uh, the powers that be don't don't seem to agree with that. Well, Anyone can go up to the, the supermarket, buy a, cal, a tub of Cal Hypo and a pool broom and say, hey, I'm starting a pool service. It's absolute disgrace. Yeah, it can be like that too here. It depends on... You know, it depends on the local government where this, you know, your city or whatever, the state, the counties. For me in Florida to just to go clean pools, you don't need any type of license. You just need a business tax ID, you know, so Mm. that you can report to the government. But you don't need any type of license or ever just to clean. Now, for to do repairs and stuff like that, to like work on anything that's attached to the pool, you have to have a contractor's license or a certified pool contractor's license. That's specifically here in Florida. It's different in um, different states. <clears throat> and that would be even if the basic just change in the union on the pump? Yeah, you can't do anything that... So, like, for example, if I went to go work on a pump and it yeah you can't choose anything that requires a tool basically um and like i said this is mm-hmm. specifically florida but yeah so a union if i need a wrench or or channel locks or whatever i, t- I it would be illegal for me to touch it right. um but i can do i can i can do like filter cleanings and you know change the cartridges out we don't that's typically what we use here there's de and there's sand filters but very few so yeah, uh, DE filters just aren't a thing here at all. Uh, you just can't. No, get really. Them. Uh, the last mm. time I worked on a DE filter was about twenty-five years ago. Oh wow! Least. I know one other pool service. He owns a couple of shops and a mobile route, and they've got one customer with a DE filter, and that filter is apparently something like thirty odd years old. Oh wow! Yes, it'll give down to I believe one micron of filtration. The glass so. meteor I use is two to three microns. Oh. If you can't get water looking spectacular with two to three micron filtration, either your filter's stuffed or your chemistry's out. Yeah, I agree with uh, that. And I'll, sta- I'll stand by that. That's pretty interesting. I know. To, um... oh, go ahead, Sorry. Shane. Sorry, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, just, just curious in regards, <laughs> in regards to the DE filters um, in Florida, can you still purchase them brand new? Or is it a case of you're just working on DE filters that have been there for 10 plus years? So the ones that I typically deal with are vacuum DE filters, and those are mm. what is on 90% of the commercial pools around here. Mm. Um, so the older pools, yeah, the older pools do have really old equipment sets. Typically, they're brittle and breaking and stuff like that. But we still do have, are able to get parts and change them out and stuff like that. Rudy and I were just talking about one of my residential pools that has the vacuum DE filter. So basically, if you don't have, if you're not familiar with that one, it's got a tank that sits in the ground and the pump pulls water from the collection tank instead of pulling it from somewhere in the pool directly. So all the section, all the suction is gravity fed in the pool. So it's, you can't get stuck to the, to something Mm. if it's, you know, pulling it in. Um, But we We do have gravity filters. 
We call yes. them gravity filters here, yeah, okay. and you okay. just don't see them. Yeah. Well, like I said, they're mostly on the commercial pools. They're meant for the mm. much larger volume midge. <laughs> um, <laughs> but some some areas like out in like Texas, for example, in the Midwest or like the Southwest, they will have DE filters that are they look the same as like a quad cartridge filter so mm-hmm. but instead of having the four little mini cartridges inside it's a whole like manifold with the grids and there's like they're on fins and then it's the they're coated with the fabric and then you add the de through the skimmer with the big vacuum de filters you put the de powder into the tank directly like and then you let yep. the, the grids coat so florida i have not seen too many of the pressure side de filters <clears throat> Mostly we deal with cartridges and sand. Uh, there's a f- mm. there's a few like mm. that, but I don't I haven't seen I think I've seen one the whole time I've been doing pools. So one pressure side DE. They're typically okay. either vacuum side or mm. pressure side cartridges. And you say sand as well, sand as in sand that you're putting into a filter. Yeah, so filter. it's you do put the, the sand media. into the filter. Yeah, that's the media that's used. You can now people are switching them out with gl- to to be used with glass instead of the mm. sand. And so that's sand kind is of still very popular over there. Yeah, in some areas where I am, it's they're kind of phasing out. I think the last time, like in line with Peter, the last time I touched a sand filter was probably ten years ago or so. So I know there are some companies that like them, but they're in the minority so they tend to just be cartridges pretty much but we are in florida so it's kind of like and everything ends up being a sand filter because we're we're just below you know sand blowing everywhere we're right at sea level so there's always sand i can relate completely (laughs) um i uh thought i was doing something very clever a few years ago and bought myself a riptide I had to bring oh, it in you? from the east coast of Australia. Even with the finest mesh bag, it doesn't handle the fine dust that we have here. Oh, okay. Uh, our summers will be, okay, this summer we went probably five months without a decent bit of rain. There was oh, wow. just enough, over that five months, it was just enough to mess up the windscreen a couple of times. And uh, the fine dust is a major, major problem. Now that we've had some good rain, yesterday was a proper bit of rain. Uh, last Wednesday, I actually had to cancel jobs because of the amount of rain, which doesn't happen often here. Uh, although we do get a lot of rain in the winter, but rarely do I have to cancel jobs. But mm-hmm. uh, that's just wets everything down and settles the dust. So from now on, the next few months, cleaning is going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. With the Riptide, I have one pool where they're building the a house behind this pool and the sand is like very fine. And I actually have trouble using my riptide in that pool. I, I did have to use a system vac with the hose and stuff recently because it wouldn't, it just, it looked like, it looked like shit. So yeah. Is there much of a move to the so-called natural pool movement in the U S i.e. where they're they've tr- got plants as filtration with no chemical at all? Yeah, they're trying. They're trying to. It's it's trying to pick up. Um, Rudy talks about it. Um, I think he was. Uh, this was a couple years ago, but I think he was a guest on someone else's pod. I'm I'm sorry, I cannot remember who it was at the moment. Don't get mad at me, but um, 
he was talking about Burr. it basically <laughs> not you i meant like you know if the <laughs> people are listening <laughs> um but yeah basically you know the point is if something gets in the water like say for example cryptosporidium or G- um, mm-hmm. giardia or any of those other fecal related illnesses the plants aren't going to take care of that you need you know mm. You need to have that residual chlorine to kill things yep. like that. That's the whole point of it. So, yeah. And I'm, you need the rest they, of the chemistry to provide the parameters within which the chlorine is going to work. Exactly. Yes, because the chlorine is not going to work as well in high pH and other mm-hmm. things will affect it. Yep, exactly. So they they do, I guess you could, I guess some people think they look pretty. Some of them kind of look kind of cool. Maybe when they're like first done, I'd like to see some of these pools like a few weeks later. But yeah, it's not a not a huge trend right now but it's trying to be yeah uh there's a local guy in the industry he wholesales a few bits and pieces here and there but never really does anything decent and he's a big proponent of the natural pools and he showed me a photo of one once and he said isn't this beautiful and i looked at this thing and i said mate you know i could fix that up with a few drums of chlorine yeah and he says no you can't add chlorine it's no, but with uh, I used to do a lot of aqu- or a little bit of aquaponics, where you've got the fish, you feed the fish, mm-hmm. they crap in the water, it goes through the plants, and they filter the crap out. And yeah, right. you get the water very very clear. But I put a sample under a microscope one day, Ooh. and I've never seen so many microbes, so much bacteria and crap I couldn't identify swimming around. And I thought, literal, no. literally, <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, the, the plants took care of most of the solids, but it's the microorganisms that are uh, the real real risk there. I had a good discussion on Friday with a naturopath who focuses on gut health, and mm. she's had a few customers who have had certain bacterial infections, and she's wondering if that's going back to the pool. So, Ooh. yeah, because... That would be interesting pool, to do like a... Like kind of like a study, I guess, to find that out. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if that was related at all. I thought they've got an incompetent pool service. Oh, we're going dead again. Uh oh. But I missed. I missed your question. I didn't hear you. Oh, I was just blabbering. Blah blah blah. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, but let's say you've got. People looking at homeowners looking after their own pool or somebody incompetent providing a pool service for them, there's every chance in the world there's going to be all sorts of microbes in that, uh, all sorts of pathogens in that water. Yeah, especially um, like we were talking about earlier about knowing what chemicals you're using. Um, mm-hmm. People around here will just throw in a tab and call it a day and not, not realizing, you know, your chlorine's kind of not really working if there even is any even though you've got a tab you know you could have that too high of a stabilizer level just things like that can happen so yeah i'm not i'm not a super huge fan of the natural pools oh oh my god hold on my cat what are you doing sorry she's been trying to jump up to like be on the laptop lately and she misses and then sorry we're fine (laughs) (laughs) Hi, cat. <laughs> she almost just dragged everything down. All right. She's good. We're good. Hmm. But, um, yeah, you, you mentioned at the very start, before we completely went off topic, 
<laughs> Some of the things that we say, sometimes you think, hang on, what are those two on about? Yeah, well, you know, it's mostly in the group chat. Um, for the most part, I kind of I kind of feel like I do a good job of like the pool stuff. I can kind of be like, all right, well, this this must mean this. Although with the whatever you said earlier, oh, the clarifier. I was like, that mm. one you totally had me. I was like, you guys use something completely different over there. No, it's the same thing. Um, just basic terms kind of throw me off. But we, me and you, Peter, we were talking. I had posted something about fried biscuits. And you're yes. like, what is a biscuit? And my heart c- cried a little. The Southern in me kind of <laughs> screamed a little. <laughs> well, it's so not I what was... is a biscuit, but why the hell would you fry one? What we call a biscuit, you call a cookie. Right. So Your biscuit gonna, is similar um... to our scone, which we have with jam and cream. The idea of biscuits and gravy is just... Does it... Just... It, it's it's so when I when I first heard the term biscuits and gravy, I thought somebody is going way too far down the fusion end of the culinary arts. It's it's just bizarre. You know that mu- it must sound weird, and I I've seen TikToks of people of coming to America and trying biscuits and gravy and thinking it was something horrendous. I, it's delicious. I love it. So the sausage gravy you make with milk, some butter, a little flour. I I just looked up a picture of. We say scones. You said or the the accent's a little different. So your scones look exactly <laughs> like what I was calling a biscuit. So basically, you would mm. take that scone. So we have they come frozen. You can buy them in the freezer section. You can buy them in like they'll come in a can that are raw, and you throw them in the oven and you bake them up. But what I did was took the frozen ones right out of the freezer and put them in a deep fryer, and. The oil has to be not super hot because you need to fry them for a few minutes. They get nice and brown and super crispy, but they're like flaky and like, you know, soft on the inside. Our scones that we have are a little different than the biscuits. They're not quite as big and fluffy like that. They're more of a. They're still soft, but but yeah, probably like an English one. Um. But yeah, so that's that's the a fried biscuit. It actually it's super good. And and you were saying you're from that the south. You, you throw anything in a fryer, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Well, <laughs> I'm originally from the Midwest, which isn't all that different from cooking in the south. But yeah, throwing it in the fryer. It's try it. Let me know how you think. <laughs> Take well, a my friend from Tennessee that I from Tennessee that I'd mentioned earlier. Uh, she oh, they can uh, make actually, you some biscuits and gravy. Uh, uh, her and her husband owe me a favor, so um, there I've you told go. Her, I'm, I'm collecting <laughs> payment as southern food for breakfast one day. They should definitely know biscuits and gravy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly the topic that Rudy said not to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what biscuits? <laughs> Don't you two talk about biscuits and cookies? <laughs> I do have a question, though. So yeah. <clears throat> what exactly is Marmite? What does that taste like? I've seen it. <laughs> we have it in the grocery store here, but I can't imagine that it's the same it's, quality. It's but you saying Marmite, uh, and Vegemite? Bullshit, Shane. Mar- bullshit. It's <laughs> Vegemite. Aren't those different? Are they the same um, thing? They're, uh, they're, they're different. Different brandings. Okay. So Marmite, Marmite is very New Zealand. Okay. Okay. And um, Vegemite is very Australian. I so, see. So therefore, yeah, Vegemite is the right word to use. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Mar- it's, it's like um, it's like a yeast extract. 
um, that's that's Vegemite, isn't it? From memory. Traditionally, they would get it from scraping the muck left over on the bottom of beer barrels and stick it on, on a piece of bread. It's oh. a very sticky brown paste that <laughs> actually looks le- less appetizing than I just described it. It's almost black. Okay. And mm. one thing I always find funny is when, and sorry about this, Andrea, sorry to you, okay. all the American <laughs> listeners there, it's always funny when you see an American, let's say a foreigner generally, come to Australia, they'll be at a hotel in the restaurant and they get the little plastic thing of Vegemite along with little jams and all that, and they'll put this Vegemite on their slice of toast as thick as if it was peanut butter. And this stuff you've got to go really, really light on. You put the thinnest <laughs> of bits so on, it's got a oh, no. big flavour. Um, what is the flavour like? Can you describe it? Like I, I'm super shit. interested, but I don't want to actually try it. <laughs> it's like it's salty. It's a supercharged, salty, umami flavour. So it's okay. almost beefy. It's it's hardcore. It's a tough flavour to get used to if you're I mean, I'll eat just it. about it's, it's anything. It's very good for putting in, um, putting in gravies as well, just to mm. give gravy a little bit of body and a little bit more flavor. Oh, okay. Um, you can also, that makes, that makes sense. Like a, they would put like half a teaspoon, mix it with boiling water, and they would drink it like a soup over wintertime as well. Oh, so okay. So it sounds kind of like it might be similar to like a bouillon type thing that we I pretty much yeah okay yeah but the thickest stickiest brown brownie blackish paste you could imagine <laughs> it's um that's great yeah if you get some on your hand <laughs> anyway it's, it's maybe not. i'll try it i'll i'll see if i could try it from the grocery store but like i said yeah. i feel like it's it'll be wildly different from what you guys actually eat but we'll give it yeah. a shot the other if thing some people find... do is smear some on the uh, on a steak before grilling it and it builds up the umami flavors makes oh. it a lot richer Oh, that's Never tried that myself, but because I know how to cook a steak properly. But apart from that, <laughs> uh, some people do it. Huh. But if you can find another one called Bovril, that's that's even better. Bovril, Bovril used to be good, but then they started making it. Yeah, because Bovril, the name from bovine, bovril pertaining to a cow, it used to contain beef. Now it's. Vegan or vegetarian, they've removed the beef and it doesn't taste the same. Oh my huh. gosh. Oh no. Mm. Don't try that one. <laughs> I won't try that one. <laughs> it's got the vegan word in there. Sorry, it's all the veggies and the vegans, I know. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> hmm. Any other questions that well, baffle you about Australia? One one that um one one term that, that brings a smile to my face. Um, is the term algae and algae? Oh, yes. Pers- personally, myself, being from the UK, we call it algae. So oh, the first okay. time I heard that term was like algae. Is, is there like a woman in the pool or something? <laughs> like somebody swimming around? Oh no! What's this algae that people keep talking about? <laughs> so that that kind of threw me off a little bit. Oh, that's funny. So, and what I do you say? You say algae? Algae, yeah, yeah. Huh. We use either Some one people, here: uh, algae or algae. Alga really? was what got me. I was watching a video online, and that guy kept talking about alga. Alga. And I thought, what the hell is alga? Oh, that's so one. I've, 
Uh, yeah, I've never one. heard that before since. Just one person. It's just one algae. Oh, one algae. That's the, okay. the algae is plural, I think. <laughs> but uh, okay. sometimes people in the South hear, um, a, a friend of mine did it actually. I said algae and they hear allergy. So they'll be like, oh, my pool has allergy. Well, what's it, what's it allergic to? <laughs> what happens here? Mm. Well, I, I did, think I should go on. Oh, never mind. I was just going to say something random, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say I can, um, I'd like to finish up by teaching you a classic Australian <laughs> sentence, which is a great okay. thing to say if you can nail this. Every Australian will know exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. No one else in the world will have the faintest idea. All right. So, Midrongo mate Baz, right? Midrongo mate Baz. That's my silly friend Barry. Midrongo mate Baz. Midrongo mate Baz. Midrongo. So my drongo friend Baz. Midrongo mate Baz. Uh huh. Took the Ute, utility vehicle, a pickup. I know truck. what that is. Truck. Yeah. All right. Yep. To Bunnings for a snag. Bunnings is our main hardware store chain here, mm-hmm. and a snag is a sausage. They have sausage sizzles, little sausage barbecues to raise money for charity every weekend. Oh, cool. So we went to Bunnings for a snag, the Bottolo for a slab. Bottolo is a bottle shop, a liquor store. Okay. A slab is a carton of beer. A what? A what is it? A slab is the term a we slab? use for a carton like a of, bo- beer. Box of beer. A carton of a case oh. of beer. Okay. Enter the servo for a pack of diaries. That's a gas station. Ooh, I know that one. Mm-hmm. Servo's gas station <laughs> um, or petrol station here for a pack of diaries, a packet of cigarettes. Okay. So, me drongo can... mate Baz took the to Bunnings for a snag, the bottle loaf for a, for a slab, and the servo for a pack of diaries. You want me to say all of that? Go on. <laughs> I'm uh, guessing that's a pass. <laughs> no, I think uh, I I can't remember all of it. Say it again, one more time. Say it again. Midrongo mate Baz took the Ute to Bunnings for a snag, the bottle over for a slab, and the servo for a pack of diaries. Midrongo mate Baz took the Ute. Oh, see, I already forgot it. Okay, took uh, the took Ute to the, Bunnings. Took the Ute to Bunnings for a slab. Snag. Snag. <laughs> to the yeah. bottle for a... S- slab. Slab. That's okay. That's the beer. To the servo yep. for a... Pack of durries. Pack of durries? Durries. Yep. Sweet. All right. There cool. you go. I think I did it. I think I nailed it. <laughs> yes, I'll work yes. on it. I'll, I'm I'll, sure I'll do you it again. will. <laughs> I'll do I'm it sure house- she will devote <laughs> hours a day to practicing her strength. <laughs> I'll come on again, and then you guys will think that I've actually moved to australia <laughs> <laughs> and you would be most welcome it has oh, been thanks. a real pleasure to have you along with us today andrea thank you so much for joining us yeah thank you andrea it's been great yeah no problem it's been fun i like jumping in on everybody's shows yeah no i think <laughs> uh, i think all listeners out there will like it um uh, for those so. of you listening, if there's anything more you'd like to hear about the differences between Australia, New Zealand, USA, and in fact, other parts of the world, uh, feel free to flick an email. And I forgot. Talking pools. Talking pools. <laughs> Talking pools at gmail.com. Yep, that's right. And then, you know, check out all the other shows that we have. It's all on the same 
um, all on the same networks, all on the same channels that you're listening to now, probably. And that's it for me. Um, thanks for letting me on the show. Thanks for letting me talk. It's been fun. We'll have to do it again mm. for sure. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, that's all I got. So I hope everybody's doing great. We'll and, oh, happy everybody. Mother's Day. Huh? Happy yes. Mother's Day, everybody. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, this is going to come out the day after Mother's Day for me. It's Mother's Day for you guys right now. But anyway, that's yeah. it. <laughs> all righty. You guys, you guys have a good one. Take care of yourselves. You too. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 